0: Support for Food Friday Leftovers comes from Berkshire Co-op Market, Great Barrington, Massachusetts, a community-owned natural grocery store dedicated to sustainable agriculture, the local economy, and the environment. Working within the community to better Berkshire County, one basket at a time. (music) Berkshire.coop
1: Welcome to Food Friday Leftovers,
2: a podcast about all the goodies left over from Food Friday.
1: I'm Dave Hopper. And I'm Ashley Kinsey. Tune in each week as we cover culinary topics such as food trucks, local food, pizza, veggies, beer,
2: and wine.
1: You hungry yet?
0: Huh,
2: I'm always hungry.
1: Well, on that note, Ashley, tell us what's in the fridge this week.
2: This week, we've got Berkshire Biscuits... And we are speaking with author, community organizer, and grain expert, Amy Holleran. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Um, My first question touches on the different grains that were discussed in the Vox Pop episode. There was talk about ancient grains versus other grains. And my thing is, um, when I think of grains, the first thing I think of is rice. And I have a rice cooker and I use it all the time. Now, with some of these other grains... Can they be cooked in a rice cooker? Or sure. Is, okay.
0: Yeah, you could cook. Uh, if you had a whole wheat, spelt, rye, berry, you could cook those right in your rice cooker. Barley. Yeah. And just fix the ratios, right? The, the yeah. The liquid to grain ratio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, a, you know, there's probably a little bit of variation that's more related to the hardness of the grain than the fact that it's a wheat or a barley or whatever you know just how different kinds of rice take a little bit more water brown rice takes a little bit more than hard wheat would take more than soft wheat probably yeah
2: and then in the world of instant pots now we have those instant pots they have timers but then you have the old school rice cookers that you just you know press the little button down and after i don't know 20 minutes or so it pops up and sometimes even with brown rice i'll think i have the ratio correct and then sometimes the rice isn't it needs to stay in there a little bit longer. So I was wondering about that with the grains.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Be a little bit
2: different, yeah.
0: You talked
1: a little bit about this on the Vox Pop, but the ancient grains term. So that's just kind of a it's,
0: marketing thing? Uh, it's not really an accurate... You know, there's not a scientific designation. You know, it's not... um So trying to figure out which is ancient and which is not... <laughs> it's... Yeah,
1: it just makes it seem like some were around a while ago, and then we forgot about them. Yeah, oh yeah, hey, here they are again.
0: And they—that is true to a certain extent. You know, like the what's more accurate is to call um, as people are exploring new regional grains, they're looking at whether a grain is heritage or modern variety. Now, a heritage grain is considered pre green revolution. So pre-1940 is a heritage grain. That's a variety that's been around since before then. And then your modern varieties are, are more recent than that. However, that's not to say that there's anything magical about those older varieties or anything wicked about the newer varieties. And certainly the newer varieties, why we got into plant breeding in the first place, is to help farmers so that we could eat. You know, it, it hasn't been very long in human history that we've had too much food, um, and plant breeding, in the sense of just crossing two plants with each other, has is responsible for a lot of the changes to our food supply. I think the larger um, attention should be paid to the processing end than the plant breeding end. I'm not saying that that's a completely uh, innocent area, but we don't often look at processing and say, oh, wow, maybe I shouldn't have a factory produced bread, or maybe I shouldn't have um, very refined foods, because those are the things, the longer shelf life you can get out of a food, that's going to be less nutrition, probably, unless the the nutrition is, is fortified so it's the processing that i'm more suspicious of than plant breeding in terms of flour and grains i
1: guess yeah the longer it's on there the more you can sell but then it's also not as nutritious cuz mostly nutrition is the fresher stuff
0: yep yep so i'm i'm speaking in all in terms of all foods you know my day job is in the emergency feeding world so I am operating at the whims of this overly productive food system and underly productive economic system where we have so many people afflicted by poverty and not being able to make really healthy choices. So as I say, um, we really should not be having refined food. I understand that it's a luxury of choices. to try to make foods from scratch and eat more whole foods, Um, you know, trying to dial things back to the least processing, going for brown rice over white rice when you can, going for um, whole grain flours rather than white flours when you can. That's, That's the kind of stuff I push. And, you know, even making your mac and cheese... From scratch rather than box. Um, I have a teenager who is—he wakes up at night like a baby, needing more food. It's—it's it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. So, what do we do? We spend our Sundays uh, making either you know a really big tray of lasagna or a really big tray of mac and cheese, and he eats that all week to try to you know pack the calories in. Wow. Um, yeah. I eat
1: lasagna all week when we make it, but I shouldn't be packing all the calories.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> lasagna is yeah. even better too. The you know later on in the week, it just tastes better, right? Well,
1: I mean, well, you can either make a meal or you're going to eat more lasagna. There's not really a choice there.
0: You're mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. going have some
2: more lasagna. Yeah, lasagna is good. A question that I had is an it's an anti-grain question. Uh huh. Um, now. When you go on something like Pinterest and you see all these different breads, they're making bread from egg whites and from cauliflower and all these different things. And um, it's almost like, you know, grains get a bad rap, right? Because people mm-hmm. say that carbs are evil and you, you want to be low carb or, you know, have this cauliflower, cauliflower bread. In my opinion, this is a, a question for you. Like, how do you feel about people calling it cauliflower bread?
0: I just think it's not really – I see why people are trying to do it because I have had to go through um, periods where I haven't been able to eat wheat, believe it or not. Um, I was trying to target why I was having a skin reaction and so I went on the no food diet and I didn't eat much. No food. That's what I called it. (laughs) 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 Is
1: that where you sort of add everything back in slowly? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. So, but in terms of substitution, I think it's mentally more healthy to, um, rather than, you know, say if you're you're vegan and you go for tofu pups or, um, something like that. I would just think, okay, if you're if you're trying for something that's against the norm, let's break out of that norm entirely and explore the the food possibilities that don't include the thing you're trying to avoid. You know, let's have proteins that are not meat. You know, there's there's a lot of cultures that that are based on on pulses and you know, chickpeas and celebrating all of that kind of stuff. So if you're going to Go for that. I'd say go for that, and I feel the same way about a bread. You know, if you're, um, if you can't have bread, if you want to go paleo, if you want to do something like that, take a look at things that um, I don't. I don't really like the impressions for uh, for fakery, um, but that comes from the privilege of being able to eat stuff now. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I don't love it. I don't, I don't love the idea, and I wish that we could all be more comfortable finding foods that fill our bellies and fill our souls in all the ways.
2: Yeah, sometimes it's weird because when I hear something like a something bread, whatever it's made of, right, um, I'm expecting it to taste like bread. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then it doesn't taste like bread. And then you're like, oh, I don't want to eat that, you know. Yep. But now there's been talk about different organizations wanting to even in the meat industry the veggie meats not being able to call them meats on their marketing material because right. technically they're not meat and i was just wondering if you'd heard anything like that in the world of grains and if anyone has said hey you know why is this company selling this kind of bread and it's not really bread and i'm ai make bread and i
0: yeah i'm not sure i haven't heard anything about that with grains the closest thing i can think of is the vilification of corn syrup, and then there's some kind of, uh, you know, marketing war about the legal use of corn sugar rather than corn syrup in mm. terms of, of words, yeah. And I was thinking that was the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, it is. I think. <laughs> I think it is.
2: So you want
1: to tell us about your travels as well. And, yeah. And I've... the ambassador label. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So I've been lucky enough to... Uh, get to take my flower show on the road i (laughs) uh last year i invented the flower ambassador pledge to try to um get people acquainted with the family tree of bread again uh i was the keynote speaker at the kneading conference which is a two-day festival of bread (laughs) and ovens and grains up in scowhegan maine and i got everybody up to to stand. And I said, I do happily, solemnly swear that I'm going to tell everyone I see that bread is not poison. Invisibility (laughs) is poison. And I'm going to make visible all the work from field to mill and mill to loaf, because mills are the levers that growers need to get something new in the ground. And that's the idea that I really want to support, that if we want different grains, we can't just ask for alternative grains or heritage grains or ancient grains. We really need to think about the whole food system. And if you want something new, let's try to make something work for farmers. Let's help them get off the commodity system where people are often not making enough money to meet the costs of production for the wheat and the bread that we're getting. So I wanted to, you know, mills, regional mills like farmers markets are the key to making something different. We want local vegetables. So a farmer's market or CSAs, those direct marketing options have been the market mechanisms that have worked. We need that with mills. So I've gotten to go to a bunch of different mills lately. Um, Just this year, I was down in Kentucky and went to uh, the Louie Mill. Louis Mill Mill in Louisville, Kentucky, a really fabulous small project that's got a pizza oven. Uh, Tom Edwards has a lot of ideas, and he wants to make a different thing happen in grains. Um, The people that I've been speaking with lately, they say things that I could have scripted from my (laughs) understanding of what you need to change a regional grain economy. They'll say this stuff like... um, you know i'm paying my farmers twice the commodity rate because that's what i need to do to you know incentivize them to take really good care with their crop and to change things um you know i want change i need to support their change and really subsidize it so he that was a really beautiful trip and he had some really great ways with grits um love grits yeah <laughs> yeah it's, a, you know, you can do so much with that. And he was really pointing out the, um, you know, the nutritional value for grits and uh, in, in terms of getting a local, local food that's more on the affordable side. Maybe there's room within my emergency food life to get some quality grits. I don't know. Somehow I want to make those go together. And then I got to go to Minnesota and visit a bunch of stuff there. I saw... A hundred-year-old flour mill. Um, The building had actually burned down in 2011, but the third-generation miller took a mill that had survived in the basement, brought it into a new building, and started a new mill. So um, these—no, not not this, but the grape nuts that I gave to Ray— they uh, are made with flour, organic flour from this Swanee White Mill, and that was just such a privilege to be able to see someone who had legacy. You know, there's not small mills. There's there's just a handful of mills that are multi generational. And so I said to the miller, "You know, you're very rare, right?" <laughs> <laughs> he said, you did." He said, "I know." I said, "Well, oh, thank you for staying." In business and you know he needs a successor um, he really needs someone who's going to take that that kind of knowledge that you get from a family being in the business for so long and carry it forward um, so that was really exciting and visiting a then I visited a new mill in uh, Minneapolis it's called Baker's Field flour and bread, and that's a great bakery in an innovative food hub kind of place with different, um, they have a butcher area, then they have this baking area with the mill. And the mill is actually made in uh, Vermont by a company called New American Stone Mills. So there's so many great people applying themselves to the project of something different happening in grains. It's really fun.
1: I would guess you would be from the upper Midwest if I just heard you on the radio.
0: Really? Yeah. (laughs) From Troy.
1: (laughs) I could see you on the show Fargo or the movie.
0: (laughs) I must have slipped into the accent. I I heard so much in my week there. I was asked to be a scholar in residence at uh, St. John St. Ben's, and that was really terrific to be able to talk to a whole school community about this stuff I'm learning. and
1: What does a in residence do? So I've, I've heard of, obviously you've heard of something like this, but you don't know what they actually do. I
0: think it's different in every manifestation. I was invited into a bunch of different classrooms uh, and so I spoke in different classrooms. I got to um, hold a public reception and conversation uh, in a pottery at St. John's. There's a very interesting pottery at St. John's that uses all natural methods. And we, you know, there were about 40 people in the room. And then the the best chef of the Midwest, Paul Berglin from The Bachelor Farmer. He and I um, had a conversation with Matt Lindstrom, who's the professor at St. John's, who invited me. He and Amy Lindstrom, his wife, had started the helped start the Troy Waterfront Farmers Market, but had since moved back to the Midwest where they were from. And so we had this conversation about what it takes to get regional foods really happening. And it was just a wonderful opportunity to be able to tell these stories of people making change in agriculture. I also invited in a uh, miller to do a sourdough baking class uh, so he could show what he was doing. And then I did a pancake class, of course, because (laughs) I love to teach pancakes. They're the easiest way to experience... And love these local flowers.
1: Did you pick up any funny stories on your travels?
0: Man, (laughs) I don't think I did. Except that the, um, you know, Swanee White Mill is in the town where the Prairie Home Companion has the Chatterbox Cafe. So Garrison Keillor based it on a, a diner that's... That's in Freeport, Minnesota. I can't remember the name of the diner, but I had biscuits at the Chatterbox Cafe. Um, do they
1: call them powder milk biscuits by any chance?
0: They do not, but they had <laughs> pictures all over of their fame. Yeah. And it was so I had biscuits and gravy there. It was great.
1: What do they what do they think of the new guy? They say anything about the new Prairie Home companion? They
0: didn't say a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's
1: good or bad. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were just, uh, they were very friendly, very happy for their their association. And I, all I wanted to talk about with anyone, of <laughs> course, is flower, <laughs> not radio. <laughs>
1: Did anyone ask you for directions when you were out there?
0: No. <laughs>
1: I'm going to find someone who thinks your accent, you have a Minnesota accent sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show again, Amy. Thank
0: you. Thank you.
2: That was Amy Halloran, author, baker, and pancake maker. This has been Food Friday Leftovers. I'm Ashley Kinsey. And I'm Dave Hopper. Be sure to check out Vox Pop Food Friday every Friday at 2 p.m. on WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Our producer is Jessica Blaustein-Marshall. Our theme is Beach Disco by Dougie Wood.
1: Food Friday Leftovers is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. And tune in next week to see what else we find in the fridge.